0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. So often I hear people tell me everything happens for a reason. Usually they're saying that when they're facing a lot of uncertainty or they're in the middle of a crisis. Say they're in jail and they're not sure whether they're going to be offered a plea agreement that will be agreeable. You know, they're not sure how much time they're, going to look, they're looking at in the prison system or in jail, or they're just facing some kind of big loss. And, and so it's a philosophical way of sort of distancing themselves from a lot of their feelings by just saying, well, everything happens for a reason. So does everything happen for a reason? You know, how do we look at that question? I mean, first of all, we can say yes. If you mean that there are reasons that can explain what we go through, you know, we can and we should analyze our situation, and and we can often see cause and effect uh, relationships. We can see that, you know, if I'm drinking heavily uh, one night, the next day, you know, I may have a headache. So, yes, there was a reason behind my headache in the morning. It was it was that I I got drunk the night before, or You know, if I get a a traffic ticket for going over the speed limit, there's a reason for that ticket, and that's that I was not paying attention or I was deliberately speeding. So anyway, those are obvious examples, but um, we should be able to analyze things. Um, However, when people say everything happens for a reason, usually they're describing something that's happening to them. And... um, and, that, and there's a perpetrator sort of behind the scenes, like a or positive force. Uh, usually, they wouldn't see that power as a negative power, but they'd see that power as God. So, um, everything happens engineered by God um, to us for a reason. In other words, we're passive um, and we're affected by actions that are, are being done by, you know, by a micromanaging um, God who's in control of everything. But do catastrophes like earthquakes, floods, and pandemics, can those be explained as uh, as being deliberately presented to the world or or inflicted on the world as something that with the reason behind it? Of course, many people would say that. I remember hearing about the AIDS epidemic as you know as as a punishment from God to afflict you know people who were involved in in sinful behaviors and so often, I mean, you'll always find uh, preachers of different stripes, you know, sort of blaming the people who are affected by an earthquake or a flood or whatever, uh, for the calamity that comes upon them. You know, a big hurricane comes in upon uh, New Orleans, and well, that's obviously a, a punishment against Sin City itself. And, um, and so, yet, you know, when we look at actually cause and effect um, you know maybe there are actual reasons behind um, some of these floods and and um, you know and hurricanes global warming i mean there there are many um, explanations that we can look at for certain things but even um, earthquakes like if we're if we're living on a fault line you know that's something that is is possibly inevitable inevitability but anyway I think it's dangerous to attribute any of these things to a higher power, as you know, as inflicting this on people. There's there's so much that it, that remains in mystery. Um, often people will 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 say that everything, in fact, everything happens to us uh, for a reason, and and they're even thinking about natural consequences, but they're not thinking actually logically about natural consequences, like the ones that I mentioned in the beginning getting a ticket for driving over the speed limit or having a a hangover uh, the day after you, you you know, you have a heavy party night. Um, There are natural consequences that happen due to our behaviors. And um, and so, but the question that I think I want to look at is, do all these difficulties that we face, including, uh, you know, uh, global calamities and for like the pandemic, like the COVID pandemic, or personal difficulties? Do they happen to us for a reason that's masterminded by someone in order to teach us something? Now, I think this actually reflects what's often called blueprint theology, which I would describe as the false belief that a higher power, that is God, exercises meticulous control over the universe, including each of our individual lives. Now, I realize when I say that's a false belief, that's stepping on some toes you know there are many people especially in the reformed tradition that believe in a, a hyper sovereign god and um but i think there's a lot of problems with this theology i think one problem that i would identify is that if everything happens to to me or to you um like it happens to us like we you know it's just it's like something that afflicts us and we have no control over uh, avoiding it in any way because it's just something that is, uh, you know, that comes upon us. That sounds a lot like fatalism, which is the belief that we're passively impacted by things that we have no control over. And um, fatalism is ultimately disempowering. And it helps, actually helps us avoid analyzing all the causes, identifying actors, you know, powers, even powers and principalities that are at large in the world, confessing our part in, whatever happens, and taking personal responsibility for change. So if we uh, embrace a fatalistic universe, I think that um, that makes us often just throw up our arms and just go, well, what can I do? I mean, everything happens for a reason. And uh, secondly, how can we act intelligently to avoid troubles? Can we? I mean, we know we can. We know that there are so many examples of how we can avoid troubles. like wearing sun cream so that we don't get a sunburn. Okay, well, if we get a sunburn, we don't just say, well, everything happens for a reason, thinking that, you know, God did that to us and we had no control over it. I mean, we could have put sun cream on and avoided that, right? So um, we can exercise our own free will and take personal responsibility, right? And so if that's the case, then then we and, and that n- not everything happens happens to us, um, as passive agents for a reason that's, um, you know, that's masterminded by a higher power. We can avoid things by just being intelligent. Thirdly, what about the activities of the ruler of this world that, um, described as Satan, the devil, and evil spirits and other forces of death that are at large? You know, um, scripture gives, uh, presents a cosmology that includes a third-party evil one who is out there doing things um, to destroy, you know, to rob, kill, and destroy. And that power is not doing the will of God. In effect, when Jesus is described as coming to undo the works of the evil one, um, that shows that there's a higher power, I guess embodied by Jesus, I mean fully embodied by Jesus, um, who is against, all these things that are happening, that are masterminded perhaps by, you know, by a third party evil one. So I want us to look at a few things. Um, I, have, I have a number of points here that I want to um, look at, and then using scripture, um, you know, kind of fleshing out a little bit about a, you know approach how we can answer that question: Does everything happen for a reason? First of all, my first point is predatory evil exists. That is not God's will. So 1 John 5, 19 says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, wow. So in other words, the higher power, uh, the highest power, God, who's most fully revealed in the Son of God, Jesus, is not um, uh, in power over the over the world? Well, I guess not. I mean, 1 John 5 um, supports that very strongly, doesn't it? We have 1 Peter five eight. be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Okay, wow. So we can be of a sober spirit. We can be on the alert. It's not just that we're passively affected by by an agent who is who's, is, you know super super powerful and uh, that we have no control over and we can't defend ourselves against. No. We do have an adversary, the devil, who's prowling around, um, looking for someone to devour, but we can be sober and alert, and and there's a way for us to respond. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So see, there we have, um, you know, two sides, don't we? We have the, the thief... Who comes to bring wreak havoc, to steal, kill, and destroy? And then Jesus, who is not about that at all. So there's there's a the thief is 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 doing act, acts that are against the will of God, and acting upon us, and um and upon creation, bringing um, a lot of destruction. But Jesus isn't about that. So that's not the will of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus has defeated the ruler of this world on the cross. In John 12:21, Jesus says, "Now, judgment is upon this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out." And he's the now that he's referring to there is the cross that he's about to, uh, you know, to carry and to die on that cross uh, to overcome the sins of the world and overcome the evil evil one by taking on the sins of the world upon himself and, you know, and undoing that curse and that, you know, that that power of of sin that captures us. Thirdly, we can pray for God to protect, help, heal, and free us. And so, actually, prayer makes no sense if everything is just happening to us for a reason. And so, if that's true, then we should just be accepting whatever that reason is and not resisting anything, which means we wouldn't pray. Why would we pray? We would just go with the flow. And a lot of people that's how um, that's how they respond to this this mindset of everything happening for happens, happens for a reason is they just say, well, I just have to just accept and try to understand what that reason is. What is the reason? Well, I don't know. A lot of times people don't know and so they're tremendously frustrated. but um, but anyway, we're told that we can pray. Second Thessalonians 3:3, 3, 3, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So we can cry out. Um, In fact, we do in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 13. Thirdly, we can resist temptations and avoid troubles. So we don't have to just submit to whatever's happening. um, You know, for whatever the reason is. No, we are called to resist. Genesis 4, 7, God says to Cain, Sin is crouching at the door and its lust or its desire is for you, but you must master it. 2 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to people. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, or tried, afflicted, you know, um, means, that, that word means all those things. So um, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, which God isn't tempting us, right? It's it's uh, God's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. But with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape also, so that you'll be able to endure it. So in other words, there is a way of escape, and there is something we can do. And we're not to be passive. We're to be uh, attentive and watchful and ready to uh, run to the exit and get out of the situation. And think about um, Joseph. You know, Joseph, he learns um, through an angel warning him in a dream that Herod's about to kill um, all the the babies two years and, and younger. And so he, uh, the angel tells Joseph, you know, take the baby and the mother and flee to Egypt. And so a way of escape is provided through that revelation. And there's so many other examples of that in Scripture where God provides... The way of escape, you know, gives revelation about how to respond to a situation. You know, um, Jesus often withdrew from situations and went into the wilderness to avoid trouble because his time wasn't yet, um, to, you know, to come. There was there was still work he was that he had to do before before he he would be arrested. Um, Ephesians six verses ten to twelve. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, so there's some imperatives, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Another imperative, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So, wow, we, we're not just submitting to whatever happens to us. We're, we're actually standing, taking a stand, a firm stand against the schemes of, of a malevolent uh, power called the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so in other words, our struggle is not against people, um, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So these powers, um, there's there's powers that are rebellious, rebellious against God, often usually because uh, these powers, which were created by Christ and for Christ, according to Colossians one, have um, have become elevated, and humans have worshipped the creature, you know, the inanimate, non human creature in this case, uh, rather than the creator, and then that's led to them coming under the power of these powers, and these powers uh, are raging against human beings, and so um, we we we're called to take a stand against that, and Paul. Adds some details. He says, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, so a flaming arrow is coming towards us from the evil one. Are we to just let that happen for a reason? No. I mean, if we're hit by it, the reason might be that we didn't take up that shield of faith. You know, we were we were passive and and not taking an activist resistant position. Um, the sword of the Spirit is described as as the the one offensive um, weapon that is offered in our arsenal in Ephesians chapter 6. And that sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so the Word of God needs to be used also. and And there's a lot to say about that, which I'm not going to go into now. But one thing we can say is that Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness by the devil, The devil came to him when he was hungry, when he'd been fasting after he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and said, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. And so Jesus uh, uses the word of God, a text from Deuteronomy, to combat that temptation by saying, man does not live by bread alone. And, um, and so I think, um, but then we see that the devil takes Jesus to um, the top of the temple and shows him um, and tells him, "Look, jump down, throw yourself down from the temple, because um, his the angels of the Lord will, you know, will won't allow you to, you know, to to be harmed." Right, and he quotes Psalm ninety-one to Jesus. So Scripture can be used by the dark side against us, and Jesus uses Scripture to combat the the malevolent use of Scripture. By saying, um, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, Jesus himself. And um, so we need to learn how to use the word, word of God to you know, to battle it out. And, and this is an activist position. It's not a passive position. First John 2, 14 says, The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You have. We can't. Okay, through the word of God that abides in us. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, okay, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So once again, an activist posture. And so we're not to just be, you know, uh, passively affected by the powers and then looking for the reason for it. Um, We're supposed to take a stand and recognize that the reasons could be that there's uh, predatory evil foot and it's after us and it's out to destroy us and we um, we've been empowered as sons and daughters of our father in heaven to be able to resist the way Jesus resisted so my next point we can resist our sinful nature also through listening to God and choosing life so another um, factor in um, in our our actions that that um, you know where things happen to us is our own our choices. You know we can make um, negative choices that come out of our sinful nature that have natural consequences, and and so um, you know things bad things happen. Like if we let anger um, get the best of us, we could commit an act of violence, which could lead to incarceration or just a conflict with another person. It could be just verbal violence and. That could lead to a fight and a break in a relationship. You know, um, so we have Colossians 3 is one of my favorite texts to talk about this. Um, And this is from the New Living uh, Bible translation. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. So here, um, the devil or the demonic is not being um, is not being blamed for a lot of actions, but it's uh, it's it's our own sinful nature that we need to resist. So we need to rid ourselves of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and this is stuff that um, we can actually do. And um, Paul talks about it as putting to death um, the old sinful nature, you know, and, um, and of course we can't save ourselves just by, you know, just by resisting and, you know, and making choices to, uh, to obey God and to resist our sinful nature. You know, uh, one of the main things we can do is cry out and just say, you know, Jesus help me, you know, Lord, save me. Or like the man who, um, who comes to Jesus with his son who's been uh, afflicted by these evil spirits and thrown into the water and thrown into the fire. And that man says to Jesus, you know, if you can do something, um, you know, uh, help us, uh, have compassion on us. And Jesus says, if, and he says, if you can, pointing to the man. And then he continues by saying, all things are possible to the one who believes. In other words, Jesus is super empowering to this man. But then the man cries out, I believe, help my unbelief, and um, and at that point Jesus rebukes the evil spirit, and um, and you know and the boy is thrown to the ground and and then becomes like a corpse and then Jesus uh, raises him up, and um, and gives him back to his father's amazing story, um, but anyway we see there that that there is um, there's actions that we can take. So um, my second to the last point is that we can face our troubles and temptations and learn from them. So we can uh, discern reasons, I suppose, or, or, you know, takeaways from whatever we're going through. And James 1 verses 2 to 4 states this really clearly when it says, uh, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So look at that. There is a lot to learn from trials that we're going through, and testing of our faith. You know, we can uh, grow in our endurance as we, as we battle it out, and as we struggle to understand our own part in um, in something that happens, um, that happens to us or to the people we love. We do need to look carefully and be willing to confess our own responsibility and even the sins of omissions the you know our unintentional actions that maybe contributed to a, a a bad situation getting worse and um and yet there's just pure suffering that we're told we can expect as followers of Jesus as disciples of Jesus suffering is just part of the mix you know um, because we're in uh, in this world where there's all kinds of afflictions that that we we will face, and you know we're finite human beings, and and we're imperfect, and and so when we're in the midst of a trial, all of this, uh, you know, our faith gets purified, and so there's a lot to learn, and finally, um, we can say that God is at work in our lives, in the midst of all of our troubles, and um, Romans eight talks about this, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know. That God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, and to those who are called according to God's purpose. So here, um, you know, I wouldn't go so far at all as just say that this, to say is that, that this supports that, you know, that statement. Everything happens for a reason. Rather, this says that um, God is able in the midst of. Um, you know, God God's working in the midst of all of the, the calamities and difficulties and ups and downs of our lives to cause everything to work together for good. Like a master creator, God is able to to convert calamities into, you know, um, to bring about good through the bad and through the suffering, and through the hardship and through our losses. Um, and but that's the to those who love God and who are called according to God's purposes. So this is this is uh. This isn't just a given for everybody, but it's really um, something that we can expect if we're, you know, following Jesus and, you know, we're surrendering our lives or we're in that posture of prayer and in in discernment and seeking wisdom and understanding about our lives. So anyway, those are just some of my thoughts. And there's so much more that I think could be said about this question. But hopefully this is helpful to help you clarify. And I think it's important to, to think about this for yourself. And, um, you know, because there's many occasions that we have to challenge that, that really widespread assumption.